0: Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. We are here to shift the paradigm of business and marketing and social media in this digital age of infinite possibility and bridge our inner technology, our intuition, with outer technology through rituals, personal development tools, conscious business practices, Spiritual tools and the magical tool of social media. I am your host, Xenia, storyteller, conscious social media teacher, speaker, and a multi dimensional traveler. Welcome to the new paradigm. Welcome back to Woken Wired. I'm your host, Xenia, and I just wanted to tell you that every single week, I tap into the field and who's going to be listening the episodes and choose what episode to release. I have weeks or even months worth of episodes pre-recorded and I tune into what feels like it will be the most of value. And this week's guest, I now, after reading my notes from our conversation, understand why it felt so right to release this conversation this week. My guest is Tara Stiles. She is the yoga teacher that changed my life when I discovered her studio, Straw Yoga, in New York City back in 2012, I think. And I ended up doing a yoga teacher training with Tara. And she's just one of these figures that had had a tremendous impact on my life and my career path. And she was there when I was going through the whole story of losing my job and getting my heart broken, and moving the straw away was really the remedy that helped me get into that flow state, into my own body wisdom that ended up getting me through a difficult time in my life. So if you don't know who Tara Styles is, I'm so excited to introduce her to you. She's one of the OG yogis on the internet who started posting YouTube yoga videos in 2007, way before it was a thing. She is the founder of Strala, the revolutionary approach to being, moving, and healing. Strala teaches yoga, tai chi, and traditional Chinese medicine to help people release stress, let go of bad habits, and move easily through all kinds of challenge. Yep, exactly that. Strala is practiced in more than 100 countries, and thousands of guides are leading strala classes daily around the globe. Tara is an author of several best-selling books and My recipe, my acai bowl recipe, was actually featured in one of them. It's called Make Your Own Rules Cookbook. And the way it came together is back in the day when I was just starting Breakfast Criminals, I was reaching out to all the people I admire, whether I would met them in person or just through Instagram, and I would offer them to make a breakfast for them. So I would literally either meet up with someone on a rock in Central Park or come over to their place and cook them breakfast and I made this cinnamon blueberry acai bowl for Tara, and she ended up publishing it in her cookbook. So you just never know when you do something with an open heart and want to offer value to people. You never know what's going to come out of it. And Tara's whole career trajectory and work has been such an example of that. We recorded the episode during the quarantine, and she is leading a free Instagram live yoga class every single morning at 8 a.m. Eastern time. So if you want to experience her magic, jump in on that. And she's also saving them as IGTVs if you're listening to this later along and want to tune back. The reason why this particular conversation feels so relevant this week is because it's really centered around the idea that there is no cookie cutter approach to successful business, to showing up, to building social media platform, and that it all comes back to defining what spirituality means to you and defining your own blueprint of what feels right to you. Tara shares her experience with overcoming criticism. She shares about her journey of working at a pizza hut and being a professional ballerina and YouTube and discovering yoga and how important it is to release the external pressure to be a certain way or to have a thing. When it comes to being a conscious entrepreneur, a healer, a creative, there is this messaging that you need to have a certain thing that you should be known for. And yes, while having a niche in a particular thing you're known for is a very effective way to get the word out there and grow your business more rapidly, Tara really hones in on the idea of releasing this pressure to find your thing and just tune into what feels good in your body, even if that means saying no to some huge opportunities, which she did. We also talk about how important it is to use social media as a channel of service and not fall into the trap of comparison and other things that make them up while you scroll on Instagram. We talk about the software of ease and how to make burnout impossible. Before we dive into the conversation, I also wanted to let you know that if you haven't yet listened to last week's episode 101 with Erin Eber, cacao ceremony facilitator and frequency healer, please do it. She's just so real and so special. Every time I experience her healing modality, toning, I have so many things move inside of me. It's like a cellular upgrade in every level. We both have been working with cacao. As a ritual and as a plant medicine for a while now. And we're coming together to bring you the cacao portal experience, which is a five week journey of connecting with cacao as a ritual in a group setting, learning everything you need to tap into your creativity, tap into your intuition and deepen your relationship with the cacao plant spirit. If that's something that you are called to do, we start on Sunday, May 10th at noon eastern time, so there's only a couple more days to join us. I'm going to put the link in the show notes, and it's also linked on breakfastcriminals.com. And if you're listening to this past May, and if you're maybe not even sure what cacao is, listen to episode 14 as well with Florencia Friedman. She's someone who leads cacao ceremonies professionally and has dedicated her life to working with elders sharing this medicine and these ancient traditions. One of the things that I have been divinely assigned to do in this lifetime is to be this channel of spreading information that has made a difference in my life, and that's the reason I have this podcast, to bring people rituals and tools that have been impactful and share them with you from the inside out. And cacao is the reason why this podcast exists. It was really coming together with other people in weekly ceremony and sitting in a circle, tapping into what felt right into my body, tapping into that creativity, and with the support of cacao on the metaphysical level, just allowing myself to follow what felt right. If this speaks to you, join us. We have such a special group of people coming together for it, and if you're one of them, then I'm stoked to meet you soon. Whether you join us for the Cacao Portal experience or not, I want you to know that I'm committed to being your resource for all things cacao ritual, so just reach out to me on social media and ask me any questions you have. All right, here's Tara's style. Okay. Tara Styles, I'm so excited to have you on Woken Wired. I just finished doing yoga with you on your IGTV and it felt like you're in my living room. Oh my gosh. Well,
1: yeah. (laughs) Thanks for inviting me into your living room. And it's been nice to, you know, through all of this stuff that's happening now, just to keep, keep being in our living rooms together with each other. So thanks for, thanks for doing that with me. It makes me feel better.
0: So I just want to give everyone a little backstory of how I found you. I remember I was living in Soho and I was working in fashion and I was, I had already found yoga and I was really drawn to it. And then I think I actually found Strala on Yelp. So I was just looking on Yelp for nearby yoga studios and Strala Yoga, your, your studio was literally three minute walk from where I was staying in this tiny, tiny apartment, sharing it with a guy that I didn't know where the kitchen was in the same space as the shower, as the toilet with no like rooms or privacy. That was unknown. There was mice and roaches, like typical New York, but I was happy as a monkey because I was in Soho and living my New York dreams. And so then I found this strali yoga studio. I show up and that was that. I started coming almost every day, I ended up doing yoga teacher training with you, and it really played a huge role in everything I do now. Really, it took me through breakups, it took me through job changes, and pursuing my own career. You know, my own new businesses, and like, there's just so much. I feel like my voice is even shaking because it was such a guidepost in me realizing, whoa, you can feel spacious and easy in your body and you can feel completely like yourself and you can be accepted for that and supported and elevated and you can be surrounded by people who are like that too. That's crazy.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've, I've got goosebumps right now just, you know, being being part of that too. And, you know, what a magical experience. I don't think I still realize how special, you know, being with you and being with everybody and You know, it's one thing to just be together and do something positive for yourself. But I think because we all came together and decided that we wanted to feel better as a, you know, sort of main rule of our practice and, you know, keep going from there within the practice, that was sort of the way that we all talked to each other. I think freed up so much, so many things that could have been insecurities or, you know, feeling. Like somebody's not appropriate to connect with somebody else on this thing, you know. There was a sense of, you know, I always joke about with Mike, especially with that studio of Cheers, you know, the the TV show Cheers, you know, without the alcohol, of course, without all of that. But this this idea that you come together, you know, I don't think I knew anybody's job necessarily or what they did in the world because we all talked about our ourselves and how we were feeling and our passions and if we were moving toward something to feel better in our life, to match our career to our, our new good feeling. And, and yeah, you know, so many beautiful relationships that I've had, you know, since that time are, are just incredible to me how I've been, how we've all been able to connect in this way. I mean, I feel so, you know, like family with you, you know, <laughs> with, with everything that we've been through together. And I feel like maybe because we have that space and also this practice that kind of cut through a lot of superficial stuff that we feel sometimes forced to relate to people in our lives, whether it's, you know, at the gym or at, you know, work or, you know, in a, in a certain job, you know, you have to talk about the the ins and outs of those things. But there's definitely something really special about the way you communicate through your, the lens of your specific practice, whatever yoga or thing that the practice is. But, you know, with us, it's about Listening to yourself and following how you feel and progressing in that and thinking about improving, not in a way where you're beating yourself up and you have to form a better you, but of course you want to improve because of course you want to feel better and do better and serve better. So, sort of this outward spiral effect has, you know, just washed over me. And I feel so grateful to, you know, have people in that sort of see together with in a way. I don't really have the words to describe it, but it's it's very special and I'm just I'm really grateful to know you and and to have that sort of way to get to relate to people.
0: So, Tara, for those who haven't met you yet, what is it that you do on a day-to-day basis? Oh gosh. Well, I guess on paper,
1: you know, I'm the founder of Strala Yoga and that's, you know, I think we always feel so much differently about what what the paper says about us, <laughs> but on a day to day basis i you know i'm a mom, we have a three year old beautiful daughter Daisy she's full of energy, so you know, depending on what's happening during the day, I'm either at a training with a group of people in a certain city or country or around the world, leading how to practice strala or a retreat and how to simply feel better or connect to yourself, so we do several of those. Every year, and we also have those same offerings online. So a lot of our time is spent uh, creating videos and content and writing online to support the community that's practicing there. And that's been such a nice way to inter intertwine the two experiences that we all have now. Sort of have this kind of corny tagline that I feel about everything, where online is great, but in person is magic. So it's nice that we have. You know, both in a way to to kind of interact with. So, so that's how I spend most of my time. And because I'm, you know, I love doing lots of things. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to write books, and you know, the publishers that I work with give me the green light to do another one. So, as long as that keeps happening, I'll keep doing that. It's something that I enjoy doing, sharing the ease and the practice and the ideas of feeling better through many different variations, whether it's lifestyle or wellness or something specific in yoga or something specific in leading yoga or teaching yoga. So I'm kind of discovering that the, the variations could be endless and I'm having a good time with that and different projects, uh, helping out different groups and whether it's companies or sports teams, or we do a lot of volunteering with organizations who bring physical practices and trainings to schools to help teachers feel better so they can help the students feel better. So every day is always quite full with lots of different activities. And, you know, I feel really fortunate to get to decide the things that I like to do on a daily basis. And, you know, there's a lot to get done, but it's all really enjoyable work that I feel really happy to be a part
0: of. Wow. So online is great. In person is magic. Right.
1: I think so I mean I think that's a you know a pretty universal experience you know I mean I, you've been on doing stuff online you know you're such an early adopter as well and I think it is really great I mean I've met so many people in person because of online and you know making YouTube videos back in 2007 when people thought that was you know a little bit insane
0: yeah let's talk about that because now YouTube yoga is a norm in most people's lives yeah but when you to it like were there even other youtube videos on yoga not that
1: i knew about and there was there wasn't really much content on youtube at all in the very beginning of course but you know more there was some people putting up like historical videos on certain things or you know there just wasn't really any how to do something at home content in general and you know yoga being the thing that i love to do i saw it as um you know, an easy way to share the practice with, I mean, honestly, in the beginning, friends and family back home in the Midwest that were feeling, you know, not so connected, not so great, different aches and pains coming up, anxieties coming up. So I, I kind of saw this as a way to communicate to them without having to send a DVD or something that looked too much like, here's my DVD, you should <laughs> do this yoga thing. So, you know, in a way where I could really, you know, have a, an experience where it's not so glossy of a production. And I think that 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 always kind of drew me in where I could just, you know, back in the day where I just, you know, you put up your laptop and you film with the camera that came with your computer and, you know, use that mic or figure out how to do voice over an iMovie or, you know, just whatever, kind of using what's what's available and knowing that the technology having a better quality doesn't really matter. But the content and, you know, what I was doing was first of all, just fun for me and hopefully useful for my friends. And You know, when those videos started to get more views than were probably the members of my family, I was honestly very confused about that. I didn't really know how to look at, you know, a view count or comments, but I got, I started to get excited about the people that were communicating with me in the comments and how they started to feel better. And people would start to email me and say, you know, I never felt comfortable going into a yoga studio. I have this problem or this is the way I feel about myself. But you know, I do this five minute, 10 minute video with you and I feel better. And, you know, all of these other things have happened over time because I feel better. And so I thought that was really, really cool. You know, having a studio is great because, you know, you, you live three blocks away. So you, you get to hang out with the people sort of in your neighborhood. And I think that's, you know, again, sort of irreplaceable and special and amazing, but, you know, having the ability to share through YouTube, you know, especially back then when it was just sort of you know a secret whisper in a way to whoever wanted to hear the call <laughs> you know so it felt really special and really fun and and honestly it still feels like that for me i mean i don't i don't think of this stuff in a sort of numerical way or data driven way i mean maybe i should but i really i don't want to i want to think about everything in regards to people and how i can feel better and how how i can help other people feel better and for whatever reason that just has help me sustain that same kind of special feeling about about it all.
0: So Tara, you are known by many as the yoga rebel. And the style that you teach is so different from what most people are used to. There's so much flow and ease and freedom. You don't use Sanskrit, you don't om or chant. It's, It's much more universal in a sense that you don't have to know anything to be able to do it. How did that come about? And also, you know, when you were starting it all out, you were what, in your early 20s? And you took some really bold moves, putting out those YouTube videos, opening your own studio, hanging out with Deepak Chopra. You know, it takes some courage to really stand for what you believe in. So I guess it's a multifaceted question. One is where how do you know what the right thing to do is? How do you get that intuitive guidance or wherever that comes from? And then how did you have the courage to take action on it?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, that's really nice of you to say, honestly. Especially, you know, I'm thinking, especially when I was first starting, you know, there was a lot of people that really liked what I did and resonated and thought the same. And, you know, were attracted to what I was doing. And then there was also a lot of people that were, you know, honestly, some friends of mine that were, were really not happy with what I was doing. And, and they, you know, it, whatever I said, or however I try to convince them, you know, this is what I'm doing is trying to make yoga more accessible, more easy. You know, I just kept running into arguments and, and conversations that just didn't feel productive at all. But just to backtrack a little bit, you know, I think it, goes back to how I learned yoga. And I got really lucky. I I danced growing up. And in a conservatory I was in, we had a ballet teacher, Rory Foster, who was with American Ballet Theater in New York in the 70s. So he was getting into yoga and meditation back then in New York and, and brought a really simple Hatha yoga teacher to our conservatory program on Fridays for relaxation. And I remember... Walking into this class, and a lot of my fellow dancers thought that this was funny or ridiculous, or you know, what are we going to do? Lay down on the floor, and we should be doing, you know, our rehearsals and things like that. And I was so drawn into this experience. There was the teacher was a man, and he was sitting at the front of the room, and he was happy for no reason at all. (laughs) And I thought, this is incredible. Why? How is this possible? And there's a practice behind this, and a part of me felt like, Oh my gosh, this is huge. And I want to learn everything. And another huge part of me, more kind of equal part felt like I already know this inside. This is something familiar that I'm remembering. And I can also learn and improve and gain proficiency in something in order to feed this feeling inside that I remember. So remember those two feelings kind of, you know, forming this ball really inside of me. And my first thought after the class was, oh my gosh, I feel amazing. This is incredible. This is a physical practice you can do with your body to connect to yourself. And yoga's inside everyone. I remember thinking yoga's inside everyone, like a fifth element. And then I would look around to my friends and my artist friends and my non-dancer friends that weren't in the class and my friends back home. And I would ask them about yoga And they would say, oh, yoga, I'm not going to do that. Yoga, you know, I heard about that once. It's, you know, you have to be Hindu or you have to do this or you have to be flexible. And I I just started hearing all of these reasons why not. And my experience was completely the opposite, I think, because I had a really kind of nice open teacher and he wasn't, you know, being overly dominant or, you know, doing all the things that we kind of see play out in the modern yoga world. So my ballet teacher came and he brought this book to me because he saw how I was just obsessed autobiography of a yogi. And I read it cover to cover. It's this kind of, you know, very big book about Yogananda's life and whatever. And I thought, okay, this is one person's story about yoga. You know, there's got to be others. So it sort of seemed like all of these individual people discover it and then try to translate it. And it gets translated different each time. (laughs) What's going on? It's like religion. So – I remember starting to find where there was yoga places. And I would find these wonderful hidden back rooms, you know, that had incense and a, you know, somebody who was a psychic and a yoga teacher. And, you know, there it wasn't about, you know, packed classes or yoga pants. There was no clothing for yoga. You know, this was like the 90s. So, you know, I moved to New York and same kind of thing. There was starting to be more studios. And if you went to a studio and you loved that community, I feel like you were set and you were kind of all in. But a lot of the people that I was meeting in New York weren't going because maybe they tried once and it didn't feel connected for them, or whatever reason they felt like they weren't flexible. So I took what I knew and I would always say, No, no, yoga's inside, you know? And they're like, What are you talking about? You have to do this and you have to be a vegan and you have to, you know, whatever the rules of this certain tradition were. I started to understand yoga through movement instead of a fixed pose that you have to kind of correct and be rigid about. So I would honestly just show people one-on-one that I would meet at any environment, how to do a simple thing that would help them feel better, like a shoulder opener or alternate nostril breathing. And I would describe it in a way that was describing the movement. So I didn't see a need for Sanskrit. Sanskrit is literally just naming the, the position and the position and the position. And I thought, well, yoga is this flow. And how do you get into each position by movement? How do you describe movement? in whatever language that you normally speak. <laughs> so it wasn't for me really rebelling against anything, it was more sharing what I saw was 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 useful for me and it turned out to start to be useful for other people in this way and and then the experience that was so awesome people would say, "Wow, I feel like this yoga feels like me." And this isn't about a new style of yoga, but this is about me doing yoga and being good at being me and progressing in that becoming better because I'm learning how to move my body better and connect to myself better and listen to myself better instead of what I think the trap is a lot of more dominant teachers and dominant forms of yoga is I'm getting really good at this form of yoga to honor this tradition or respect this tradition and more intellectualize this tradition or honor this teacher. And you know, I guess my injustice flag kind of you know always went up a little bit and said, "Well, what about honoring yourself?" And yoga is this great, you know, science that's there, but we don't honor science when we do a science project; we honor the result, <laughs> You know, so it just didn't make sense. <laughs> so, I, you know, it wasn't for me when a yoga teacher would come up and yell at me. I would say, "You know, I don't care if you're yelling at me anymore, but you know, I'm I'm more angry at you if you're pushing somebody into a pose. I'm more angry at you if you're." telling somebody that they're less than you and they need to go see the guru for the answer. So I started to, you know, kind of push back a little bit at the backlash. And then, you know, after a while, you just don't have time or stop caring and just, you know, keep on doing the things that you feel are useful for yourself and for others. So it's been wild. But also honestly, I didn't see anything else to do with myself at that time besides share Yoga in this way, where I thought just obviously needed to exist and does exist, but you know it wasn't quite getting there yet with the individualized styles and the the dominance and you know all of those kind of things that exist in the in the the healing community, not just the yoga community but sort of the the whole world you know <laughs> so
0: I've heard you say something that really made me think you said something along the lines of, there is no path of yoga, there's only path of you. And (laughs) I love (laughs) that. (laughs) Because all of these things and healing modalities and physical objects, whether that's food or crystals, it's all really a way of just tapping into the same thing, which is of being in our hearts, being fully ourselves and being kind.
1: Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And you know, the the more i got excited about that and i think you know meeting you and seeing what you were interested in what you were building and you were doing and seeing how it's a version of the same ideas i thought that was just so beautiful and you know this idea of finding something that's so powerful this healing practice and instead of feeling like you're less than the practice or you're less than your teacher or less than whatever the aura of that you're actually a part of that and that can be a process for you to grow and feel better and connect to that heart space i think is you know exactly right so i think the the coolest part for me just being involved in this is seeing seeing myself progress and and feel better about helping people feel better and then and then other people that connect to yoga in this way whether it's because of me or because they figured it out on their own and i'm sure lots of other people have figured out how to make yoga feel like them i just don't think it was organized as much <laughs> But you're right. You know, there's there's really great teachers and in all kinds of healing modalities that are you know quote unquote rule breakers. But in this way of not you know showing up in a Harley and being like, yeah, I'm breaking the rules, man. But more doing all of these healing modalities in the way that you know I hate to say maybe they should have been done in the first place. But you know, along the way, anything that gives you power, people want to have power over. So you know, there's. There's naughty crystal people and there's nice crystal people. And, you know, you can I think it's I think it's just true with not just the healing world, but every world, you know, so it's any any healer that helps you feel like yourself and feel confident and comfortable and and fosters that and guides that in a way I think is, you know, an extension of what what I'd like to be involved in. And I think what kind of the where we can all progress in this way.
0: Mm. So what are you excited about right now? Oh my gosh. Well,
1: <laughs> just honestly, slowing down and reassessing. I think, you know, Mike and I have had a, a long journey so far, but I think it's really been critical and important to our own well being and the well being of everything that we help out with. The Strala community and, you know, other projects that we're involved in is. Is not kind of just running away so fast and kind of doing everything. Cause so I think that's for my personality. I love everything I do so much that I tend to just do everything and go really fast. But I know it's important for me to take time to slow down every day and sort of more in a bigger picture way to, you know, really look around so I can notice what's happening and see how I can be of use instead of just kind of trudging on and moving forward and falling in a trap of building things as big as possible just because it could happen that way instead of thinking, well, maybe there's a way to be more aligned with my whole self and serve in a way that you know won't make me regret anything later. So I think I'm, I'm kind of in that, that place of dropping in a little more and kind of searching around and, and, and making sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I don't miss out or, or make the wrong step.
0: What does taking care of yourself look like to you these days? Oh my gosh. Well, you
1: know, I was talking to, you know, Ray Broderick. I was talking yeah. to Ray the other day, another good friend of ours. And, you know, I said to her, she's a mom. She has a newborn now, too, and a, and a toddler. And, you know, I said, I'm kind of embarrassed talking to her about how much self care that I actually need and also take. <laughs> but I know that it's, you know, for me, essential. And it's not just, you know, taking time for myself in the morning and at at night and these kinds of things, but really you know powering down and slowing down and organizing my day so I'm not just doing a million things because I think that I should be doing more finding ways to take care of myself through the actions that I want to do, so you know because of everything that's going on now with everybody, well, the stay at home camp, and then the, you know, the real kind of hero camp, as I like to frame in my mind. But, you know, I'm in the stay at home camp, we have the easy job. But you know, I think for me, leading a class every day on Instagram in the morning, it's, it sounds so corny and cheesy, but it's really for me to feel better. <laughs> and, and, and I love to connect with people. That's such a, a big part of my own well being. So I do that for myself and if people want to join, that's great too. So, you know, always, always finding a practice to do the things that make me feel better and also really be honest with myself of the things that aren't, aren't working or aren't helping me feel better or aren't serving best and finding better ways to adjust and move and realign and all of the things that we, you know, we try to help ourselves do in our practice but i you know i think it's important to match the practice to my life as much as i can i know when i do then i feel better and things work better and things are more harmonious and in the flow so you know self care for me is really a sort of 24 hour situation
0: <laughs> you know when you talk about that teacher who was just in the front of the room and he was happy for no reason uh, I was reflecting back. So I've gone on retreats with you. Um, I've done a yoga teacher training with you. I've taken, I don't know how many, a lot of classes mm-hmm. with you. There's not a single time when I saw you stressed or tense or anything like that. theres You're always like a bubble of ease. Oh my
1: gosh. Well, I think I, I'm lucky. I, I found something that makes me really happy. And I think what makes me more happy than doing yoga on my own in my living room, you know, is, is fine, but, you know, doing it with other people, whether that's, you know, online or especially in person, it's just, for me, it feels like electricity. Like I get to plug the circuit, you know, I mean, every time when I roll up, if I'm leading a class with a few people in front of me, rolling up to stand and taking a big inhale, reaching my arms up and everybody's doing that, you know a millisecond after for me that feels like a care bear stare. <laughs> you know I feel that you know that that great vibe you get from you know being around other people that are also taking care of themselves and I get to take care of myself and also you know put my awareness on other people to see if I can help in a sort of guided class situation. but you know I like to think about life as that and I don't know, maybe that's something I I think I learned from Deepak by osmosis of simply taking care of yourself and kind of looking around and knowing that everybody that you see is an opportunity to help you feel better. And that's not a selfish thing. It's more of a that's how life works thing. And I noticed that a lot with just walking outside now and seeing somebody across the street instead of kind of keeping my head down and you know, darting away, you know, looking up, taking them in if a smile is appropriate smile, but not forcing an interaction. So, you know, all of those ways to interact with people finding the right distance where it's sort of the right relationship, the right body position, all of those things I think are, for me, endless things that I try to practice getting better at. So they work better. And I guess part of the result of that is burnout really becomes impossible. So Burnout for me only becomes possible if I'm not listening to that or I'm not improving in that practice of finding the right relationship with people or, you know, the the simple thing of having a conversation with somebody after a class in a studio, knowing when to end that in a way that's nice for everybody, knowing for me, I mean, I'm, I kind of take this to the a weird level where I'll go home after a training day and think, oh, did I say three things too much to you know, to somebody after they were asking me about their knee pain. Did I keep the conversation going too long when it just started to become about the weather? And was that was that still useful for them? Was it useful for me, or were we just kind of killing time and you know,
0: So you are human. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Good to know.
1: <laughs> I don't know. But I think it's it's fun to think about all that stuff. And, you know, you gotta spend your time doing something. So it's sort of working for me, I think, or it's useful. So I, I'm going to keep keep with it for a while.
0: <laughs> all right. So I want to get into the business side of it. And before we do, something that I keep thinking about that your path is such a beautiful example of is I when I think about paving your way and building business, creating impact, there's, you know, if we just kind of bulk it all down into a pile... I see it as two paths. One is following a formula to the T of seeing what others have done, what has been successful, studying it, following it, being consistent. If we take YouTube, for example, it would probably mean posting a video every week at the same time, using the proper names and hashtags and all of that. Or you can tap into the unknown and do something, allow something to arise from somewhere that's not even you, something that's bigger than you, and allow it to take over your body and show you the way. And to me, you're an example of someone who leads from that unknown.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it seems very odd, or, you know, I think a lot of people would find that too risky, maybe if you kind of when, when you were just saying that one seemed very, normal or intelligent or smart, or of course you should do that, like go to college. (laughs) And the others seem like, just, you know, be an artist. (laughs) That's what you want to do. But I, you know, I feel like for me, it's, it's essential to have the, the second, otherwise the first doesn't work. And, you know, now that I've been, you know, sort of doing what I've been doing for a while, you know, I see other people that, you know, come to me. I'm not an expert in, you know, how to how to build a business, but, you know, I I I do what I do and have some I can tell you my failures. You know, I can tell you what I've learned and what doesn't work so well for me. I don't know if that's repeatable, but I do see a lot of people trying to do the first like I mean, I don't want to really, really want to call that go to college because it's probably a good idea for a lot of people, but the the more cookie cutter approach and a lot of people they're they're really special thing that makes them them gets completely lost and just a simple example that i that i see is you know a lot of a lot of young people that come to our trainings they they show up and 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 we get to know each other for a while and maybe you know we all leave and go home and 3 months later i see them using a hashtag on on instagram so i i kind of see and i'm like oh that's you know Sally from this training and they're their Instagram name is something that I have, I have no idea how to relate that to that person that I just met, or what they show of themselves digitally doesn't remind me of that beautiful person that I met, or they're following, you know, something that they saw somewhere that they should be doing, or, you know, using the color orange as a theme or whatever it is. But it's I think a lot of people present themselves in a way where they think they should. And I mean, I'm I'm so grateful that I started doing this before even social media. I mean, it was pre-Youtube and then YouTube came along to sort of it, it was a big help in what I was doing, but I, I wasn't in a position now where a lot of people are where, you know, there's all of these different things that you you feel like you should be doing all day long and contributing to all these different platforms and having everything look beautiful and and fancy and and special and be kind of presenting already that you're successful. And I think there's so much pressure in doing that. And if you can, well, I know for myself, if you can free yourself from that in some way that, that really aligns with you to reassess and go back and, and then represent in a way that feels like you. And I think, you know, maybe that's successful or maybe that's not, but I think you're not going to end up banging your head against the wall in the process that way. Or I know for me, if I tried to you know, just do something that I saw another brand do or another company do, then I would, I would not enjoy what I do at all anymore. I would feel like I'm working for um, another company or working for specifically the company that I saw that I should be like, and I don't want to work there. I wanna I want to work for the people, and I think it's, you know, it's just important whatever path you're following, whether it's more you know repeating something else with a slight variation or coming up with something completely brand new to you know to have these sort of gut checks you know pretty regularly to see if you're still moving in alignment with yourself because you know I just know for me if I didn't then I'd be I'd be a little bit lost to be honest
0: yes i'm writing that down moving in alignment with yourself and something you're pointing to it's so potent it's this idea that it's easier to take a formula and take that on and try to build something that way. And for some people, that's a choice because it's it doesn't seem as scary because if you come out as fully yourself and if you get judged or criticized, it feels, it can be crashing for someone who hasn't developed that. Well, I guess for any human, it can be crashing. <laughs> We're all human, we all have moments. So it's just, um, on the one hand, it's a more courageous thing to do your thing and not care about what others think. And I think any self-care practices that we do, any practices of connecting back to our hearts can help us develop that trust in doing what feels right. But on the other hand, so often I hear people people that come to me to talk about social media and business, who want to do their own thing, but they don't know what that thing is, and they so badly want to create that unique thing or their methodology or style of yoga, whatever that is, or healing, but they don't know what it is. So, what would you say to someone like that?
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of pressure to have a thing for sure, and you know, I've seen, I think similar to you, have had experience with, you know, younger people. You know, even older older than me, people coming because you know I think the 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 great equalizer now of social media is you know this isn't something that you need to start when you're 18 and then you pick your thing out of college or out of high school and then you go you can you can change your job at age 50 and decide to go into something else that you're passionate about and you can fall into these same traps as somebody that's you know 25 or or another age. So I think you know it's what's happening right now is is beautiful but also a trap and you know i think of course we all want to have a thing and we all want to we all want to feel good but i think you know you can't force that thing and gosh i think what what helps me is reading and watching things on documentaries of people that are interesting and doing something cool and just knowing that You know, it doesn't work that way. You know, you can't rush creativity. What you can do is have a practice that you connect to yourself and creativity tends to rush in and tell you what that is to do and sort of work through you. So I know for me, you know, having a practice of yoga and this easygoing way, my breath and my body and that connection really becomes my boss. That tells me what I need to be doing. And that's how I, you know, found my thing, I guess I could say clearly and that's how i continue to find my thing because i think whatever your thing is you know even with all of the great artists or creators or entrepreneurs we we admire that thing changes you may have that same feeling and for me it's this oh i just want everybody to feel better and yoga can be done in this way where it's so easy and you connect to yourself and you move in harmony and i could go on forever but but my my base thing is Helping myself feel better through practice and helping other people feel better. And I didn't just sit down and write that down. This is going to be my thing. But I came to be, you know, but I think, you know, a lot of people end up in the trap of that because you feel like you have to have that. But if you start simply filling your time with what you're passionate about, you know, I know for me, I wasn't going from doing other work to doing yoga. Yoga didn't become my job because I wanted it to become my job. It became my job because it started taking up all of my time. And, you know, very naturally became sustainable to do things like buy groceries and to, you know, slowly start to pay my rent and things like that. But it wasn't a goal or a transition to go from, you know, previous life to having this new life. Or I think it's even a a bit of a trap to think, oh, I want to do my passion as a job. And as soon as I'm able to you know, either earn this much money or pay my bills or stop doing my other job, that's when I'm successful. And I think for me, maybe it's just because I'm, you know, from the Midwest and always thinking about doing all of these different things and just very simple in that. I think, you know, just because I'm, I could be very useful to the world, that doesn't mean it's going to be successful, but success for me is being useful. And so I've, I'm always comfortable You know, if someday I need to go get a job that I can wait tables or whatever, I'm I'm gonna feel fine doing that because I know I can still be myself doing that and help help people feel better doing that. I remember being in high school working at Pizza Hut, and you know, I just I took it seriously. I would show up and you know fold all the boxes because everybody would stress out at the at the dinner rush and freak out, and the the manager would like lock himself in the freezer. And I thought, you know, if I just get here 20 minutes early and fold all the boxes. By the time the dinner rush comes, we'll have boxes and people won't need to freak out as much, you know? So I think, you know, and there's this trap of people f- now, especially because everything's so visual on the internet, everybody looks so successful. There's this trap that you have to have your life look a certain way. And for who? You're the only one that sees your life, you know? <laughs> but if you can find your yourself working a certain way that's comfortable, you know, what's happened for me is, you know, I don't work at Pizza Hut anymore, you know, I have plenty of opportunities that come into, that want me to do the thing that is my form, that is my vocabulary. So I have no shortage of opportunities to serve in the way that's specific to my thing. But if those opportunities weren't here in my past, I didn't wait for them to come to do, to be myself or to discover this new way of being in myself that's, that's sort of useful to the world. Because, you know, if if you're... If you're working at a diner or in a corporate office or teaching yoga, you're the same person the whole time, unless you're putting on a show that you're you know, a better person when you're a yoga teacher and you're a jerk when you're working at a corporate office. So,
0: <laughs> Yeah, when you talked about inspiration, I think the linear way of getting inspired when we're looking for sort of guidance in expanding our business or offerings or making more money or whatever that is the natural and linear thing is to look within our niche, what's been done. But what I have found just like you is looking at humans living their lives full out and being so passionate about particular thing like Paul Stamets, the mycologist. When I need a burst of just feeling alive and awake and excited about my own life, I go and I listen to him. And you know, I think it's, for all of us, it's important to find those things that are outside of our immediate reality, outside of our business niche, to just get onto that wavelength of aliveness and passion because maybe that will awaken something in you that didn't, you didn't even know was there. So with that, Tara, you know, you mentioned social media and the pressures of social media. What is your relationship with social media these days?
1: Well, at the moment, Probably more than it was a few weeks ago, considering we're all staying at home. But I kind of joked years ago when this reporter came to our studio and was writing about me for the New York Times, which I thought was a super tiny article in the back of the paper, ended up being a bigger article and surprising and changing my life. She was an angel. I remember describing to her, because at that time it was just YouTube, there's a bunch of people inside there. (laughs) And I remember, you know, that's how I feel about. You know, social media or connecting to people online. There's people in there, you know, communicating through our our texts that we're writing, or pictures that we're sending, or videos that we're making. We have all these different ways to communicate, just besides you know, voice like an old phone call or something. So, you know, I think for me, it's it's remembering that no matter how much I see or I hear from other people or whatever the the pressures are that that I see or I experience a lot of our, our guides, our instructors feel a lot of times really pressured to be on social media, to be posting you know, pictures or videos every day. And a lot of times they get burned out. And I think that's totally normal if you're spending unaligned time doing anything. I don't think that you know, social media itself can burn you out. But if you're, if you're, you know, and you're, you, you're very much more eloquent in, in this department, <laughs> I'm stepping on your, your expertise. Here.
0: He's saying you perfectly.
1: But you know what I mean. It's sort of, you know, I, I love people, and if I can use this tool to connect with people, great. You know, I, I try not to let fear or insecurity seep in too much. You know, of course it's really fun to see what other people are doing and to look around and see how beautiful things are and how interesting things are and see how my friends in real life present themselves completely differently online. I think that's always kind of interesting and funny too. But you know, it it is this this new thing that we we don't entirely comprehend because it's not just straight communication with people as we would in person. You know, we can't walk around having a relationship with somebody else and show them a video of ourselves when we're talking to them. You know, it's sort of a a presentation in this way. But yeah, I think it's for me, it's still it's a bunch of people inside the computer. It's a bunch of people inside the phone. And it's an open channel to, to serve and to help and to feel better. So I love that. And I love that. I love what you said about getting out of your field, you know, especially with all these Instagram lives happening now you know, I'm tuning into National Geographic, had a really cool one on yesterday with uh, Jimmy Chen, the photographer and, you know, Emron at BOF is doing really cool things and everything is so connected, you know, even if you're not in the field of fashion or, you know, nature or extreme athletics, there's always something to learn by people that are doing something for so long and really passionate about it. And, you know, I think for me, that's been the great equalizer and the great way to communicate. And, you know, when you said earlier, I must have had so much courage to do these things. For me, it's just, you know, I'm coming I'm coming to life with this passion inside that I have to share and other people communicating with me about whatever they're communicating with. I always have a way to talk with people so I don't feel maybe so intimidated by people that I should be intimidated by when I meet them because I'm just so excited to to communicate about, feeling better and, you know, not in a salesy way, but, you know, I just think it's, it's fun to, to not communicate about, you know, how important you think you are, how important somebody else thinks they are. It's much more relatable to just dive in and just go. So I think I've enjoyed relating in that way. And I think that's really saved me and helped propel me and find the right people that want to not just help me and and care for me, but also support the the ideas that I sort of stand for.
0: I love that you mentioned Imran. So Imran, for those of you guys who don't know, Imran Ahmed is the founder of Business of Fashion, which is one of the things that got me into fashion in the first place and into blogging almost 10 years ago when I was in fashion grad school in San Francisco. Business of Fashion was this tiny little publication. And now it's probably the biggest business of fashion publication in the world, and I remember when all of us were at Revitalize Mind, Body, Green Summit a couple of years ago and Tara, you were teaching a class and I noticed that Imran was taking the same class and I just had the biggest fangirl moment of all time. I just lost it. And I came up to him after and I told him how much he's impacted my path and how grateful I am. And it, it's, it's beautiful what yoga can do. What, you know, like I never knew that coming into your class, I would run into people who inspired my path so much.
1: Oh, gosh. And what's so cool about you both is, you know, of course, Emron has built this amazing publication that serves so many. And of course, he has a practice, you know, of course, he does meditation, of course, he thinks globally, he, you know, Mike and I got to go to his his summit voices last year and I was intimidated honestly to go. I thought, "Oh, what am I going to wear? Am I going to have to borrow clothes? You know, there's all these fashion people." And then I remembered that, wow, I got there and fashion people are like the nerdy art school kids that I went to school with. This is amazing. <laughs> so I was super psyched about that and just felt right at home and listening to all the panels and all the people that he brought together and how well he listens and guides conversation and really the whole theme of the the event was sustainability of fashion but it was also about working together and connecting and there was a place for everybody and people that foster that environment for others are first of all just heroes of mine and amazing but but also easy to talk to i think that's kind of interesting you know it's always easier to talk to somebody who is doing something unique and original or maybe the leader at that big giant company is easier to talk to than the manager who has so many things on their plate to kind of, you know, get a hold of and wrangle and do things. But that person maybe in that more creative role is more freed up from, from the fears and insecurities of, of a different job. So I think, you know, maybe that's why Emron is so, one of the reasons he's so sort of easy to talk to because he's, you know, even though he's doing so much and so busy, I can't even imagine he's, he's creatively, he just feels so free as well. And, you know, so many, people that I've got to meet over the years that have built amazing, beautiful things, whether it's their companies or as themselves individually, or, you know, famous people, non-famous people, CEOs or whatever, they all have that in common that sort of, you know, they're really present, they're available, they're, they're free, they're, they respect people that have built things and all of that, but it's not sort of so impressive that it's crippling. And I think, you know, a lot of people feel crippled by impressive people, or it's harder to approach them, you know, because of that, well, I'm less than and they're so much greater, but I don't think that that's a reality. Really, it's more of a, a fear that some people hold.
0: Totally. Yes. So when you talk about business and all the things to do, one, one other thing I wanted to get into with you is, and by the way, I totally, I'm one of those people that gets completely crippled in the presence of people I admire. I was so nervous when I came over to your place to make you breakfast that I I I mixed up our phones. I remember we had our phones that we were taking pictures, and I ended up taking both my phone and your phone when I left. And then on my way out, as I'm walking out of your apartment. I realized I have two phones in my pocket and I just freak out. I'm thinking, is she going to think I stole that phone? Is she going to think I'm calling Deepak? I was just (laughs) freaking out.
1: (laughs) I think we were both just going to the studio anyway for yoga. So I don't remember that at all. I just remember you were awesome. And I was just so excited to learn more about what you were doing with your heart bowls and how you were feeding people. And you came over and fed me breakfast. And honestly, that was at a time in my life where I wasn't I wasn't nourishing myself as much as I should have. So you were, you were just an angel that came in and gave me breakfast and said, <laughs> "You know, I need to eat something before this 11am class, Tara, and take care of yourself and slow down and let's have a conversation and, you know, let's have a, a normal girl time moment where we can talk about all the things that excite us, but still just be here and take care of ourselves. So thank you for that. I really, you know, that was a big, a big moment for me.
0: I think that's what the podcast is for me. You know, with Breakfast Criminals, the way that it really grew and started is I would just reach out to people I admired on Instagram and say, hey, let's meet up in Central Park or let me come over to your place, even though we've never met and I'll make you breakfast. And people would just open their doors and their hearts and their bellies and trust me. And it was so beautiful. And now, And now, you know, it's taking the form of having these conversations and recording them and sharing them with the world. And it just brings me so much joy that I can have these amazing conversations with such a variety of such inspiring people and teachers in my life like yourself and share them with others. It's so fun.
1: So cool what you're doing. I mean, I'm not surprised because you're a mad genius, but, you know, you always have this way to connect to your your heart and create such interesting, cool things. And, you know, it's where the world is a better place because of you. <laughs>
0: You're so kind. It's true. Okay. Back to you. Back to you. So business, I want to talk briefly about the business trajectory of Strala because you started by renting out a space and having your own studio. Then it became yoga teacher training. Then you started leading retreats and correct me if I'm not saying it in the right order. And then there were a lot of online offerings, and somewhere in between, you wrote a bunch of best-selling books, no big deal. One of my recipes is featured in one of your books, thank you very much. (laughs) And then you also worked with a lot of brands along the way, from having your own line with Reebok to partnering up with W Hotels globally. I had the Maldives retreat on my bucket list, but I ended up going to Miami and having my birthday there with you on retreat, and that was amazing. So, t- talk to me a little bit about that trajectory and kind of maybe how that has led you to where you are today and what you've learned along the way because I think a lot of people tend to think there's one path and one way to do this and one way to scale your business, but I would love to hear in your experience what how has it been and what have you learned along the way.
1: Sure, and honestly thanks for for asking that and I feel so open with you to talk about this. I think this is such a the business of what we all do is so interesting to everybody and, and useful, and I just feel comfortable talking with you about it. So, so thank you for that. Yeah, I mean, in the beginning, the you know we had we started a studio first in Mike's apartment, and it was for fun, and I had no idea it was going to be a job or take up more time. And I was doing some blogging for Huffington Post. Actually, a girl that came to the studio, Verena von Vetten, who has you know done a lot of really great things in media, and now she has a. Her own magazine called Gossamer, just awesome girl. Asked me to blog for Huffington Post, and they had a boring section on health that she didn't like working with, and she wanted to make it more fun and sort of yoga you could do when your when your boyfriend breaks up with you or your girlfriend or things like that. And I said, I'm I'm totally in, you know. <laughs> so so one thing kind of le- leads to another, right? So I was doing that that started to go really well. You know, this was 2008, so it was the blogging kind of thing was pretty new. I wrote a blog, this was before smartphones, but how, help I'm addicted to Facebook, 10 yoga moves that can help you feel better, something like that. And you know, I'm I'm like sleeping in one morning at 7 a.m. My phone rings and it's Ariana Huffington calling me and I'm like, Oh, did I did I say something wrong on your site? I'm so sorry. You know, am <laughs> I in trouble? And she's like, Oh, congratulations. You know, this this is the most viewed post ever on our site at the moment. And I have really no idea what that means. I'm still thinking she's mad at me in some way. And You know, so things were, things started to kind of open up and more, more possibilities started to happen. So, writing books started to become a possibility. Renting a bigger studio space that was actually not Mike's apartment became a possibility. With the teacher trainings, it wasn't, again, it wasn't ever on the plan, but a lot of teachers were coming to my class and implementing things that they were kind of picking up and taking away. And their classes were, not just increasing in size, which is great for them, but they were helping people feel better. That new people were bringing their friends. People were enjoying themselves more. So I thought, okay, there's I can uncover what we've been doing in the sort of laboratory for a while. I think that was like five years before we started even leading workshops on on how to lead yoga in a way that is more sustainable. So that started to work and. People started to want to come from all around the world to New York City to do these trainings. And that was really fun. So we're connecting people with, you know, roommates and Airbnbs and things like that. So that started to become this real kind of global party and friendship. And the community of Strala started to really be not just exist, but everybody started to interact with each other. And that just started to become really, really fun. So I got to play a part in being a guide and orchestrating and sort of providing the, the how to, or I guess, you know, it's kind of corny, I don't really know how to say it, but kind of the software of ease in this way or how to move better, how to, you know, drop the tension when you're doing yoga and how to make that position work and all of these things. And there is a lot to it. It's not just do what feels, do what you want, which I think a lot of people kind of thought that in the beginning, it's just do what you want yoga. (laughs) But I think do what you want when you're really paying attention to yourself (laughs) is more accurate. One thing just started to lead to another. And You know, Reebok approached me. I thought that was a really cool opportunity to do something that that was comfortable and fun. You know, it was just Lululemon at the time, so it was sort of, you know, from my perspective, I was wearing baggy sweatpants and t-shirts and just comfy clothes for yoga, and there wasn't really that out there yet. So our first thing that we did was really soft, kind of cotton candy sweatpants, kind of like Triple Five Soul, I guess, in a way, but more. Not as baggy, so you could actually wear it too. (laughs) So things like that. And, you know, the more that I worked with them, I started to learn about sustainability and how that was, you know, possible with big companies. So I would, you know, talk to them about let's get educated together and see what we can do. And, you know, they started to actually put some more practices in mind before that started to become more of a, a pushy thing from the outside. So I thought that was really fun to learn about that together and improve, especially at a really big company like that. And, you know, same thing happened with W Hotels. Two gals that worked for Starwood came to the studio and they thought, you know, this is really cool. And I thought, I said, you know, when I first started my business, the first thing I did was get the Starwood credit card so I could earn points and stay at the W on points because it's really cool. (laughs) So I was a fan of them and, you know, we came in and had some meetings and had many meetings and just figured out something we could do together. So, You know, I know a lot of people at that time thought, How did you get that gig? And I said, It wasn't a gig. It's just I met people and we kind of figured out how to work together. And even at big companies, it's still people. And I think that's, you know, that's been something that, you know, has saved me a lot of intimidation or you know, or acting in a way that I shouldn't act in a way. I just, you know, want to see what's appropriate for everybody and, and see what we can do where where everybody wins. It's not just a single sided exchange. So you know, again, I think that's more fun for me to to help in a certain way think about, you know, not just what I can get from the situation, but how is this going to be an interesting project for everybody? And and we have fun. I mean, from that project specifically, everybody that worked at Starwood during that time are still really dear friends of mine. We keep in touch, we check on each other all the time. And I've, you know, I've done some other projects at other companies that they've worked at and, you know, keep in touch with 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 people that have babies and things like that so it's sort of you know for me business is personal and it is people so now you know another kind of crazy thing that happened was a lot of people that that have been teaching strala for a while want to have their own studio and they they like the name strala and want to kind of have that and i remember this was actually around the time where we were seeing a lot of each other in 2014 two really big VC companies came to me and said, "Oh, I want to we want to kind of VC this out and and do the soul cycle route and this would be really great." And, you know, just following my intuition, I kind of thought, this is really shiny and fancy and exciting and alluring, but I really want to make sure that I don't do anything that dishonors the people that are involved already. So, so I I got kind of scared of that route, to be honest, and kind of backed up. And I'm really glad that I did at the time because it preserved this kind of relationship to start with our partner studios, much less in a franchise way and more of an affiliate way. So we let uh, people use the name Strala in conjunction with their own name. So there's a studio in 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 Metzingen, Germany called Yoga Liebe Strala. And that way, it's both of ours. And It's not a franchise where they owe me money of their profits. It's just something to license the name so they're protected and somebody next door can't use that name and, you know, kind of make them feel bad in that way. And this way we can all kind of grow together. And that's felt really great for me. And, you know, just to have a comparison, CrossFit does something similar. You know, I don't think my. Strala is, is, is similar to CrossFit so much, but um, I, I really like that they have that same kind of very community-based idea that you can open up your own place if you like our brand and you want to be a part of that. So I think that's nothing that we advertise or push on people. We have about, I think a, a little over 10 now studios, but it's, it's honestly people that have been doing it for a while that really want to have a studio. They really value the name and they think it would be a good idea. And another cool thing about that is they're all small, so it's not these you know hundred person studios with super packed classes that have to have a an extreme business plan. but what makes me proud is their businesses always work really well because they put their community first, and we also empower them to lead their own Strala intensives and training so that is sustainable as well and they can teach other people how to lead in this way and you know formulate their own guide and teaching community so it's really beautiful to see, so you know we've kind of grown this very organic way, and yeah, having the online offerings to match all of that, so you know at a certain point, if I went back and you know the v c idea wanted to support me again it would it would look very different, and it's definitely possible and something we always talk about, and companies are always you know thankfully reaching out to us and having these conversations, but it would be much more on my terms now where it would you know have to support the people that are already here and and not be just a numbers business first kind of a thing which i think a lot of people get in trouble with vc you know the moment you take somebody else's money <laughs> the moment you know you have to do everything that they say and i love that we haven't needed to do that in order to continue to do the things and to help everybody feel better so it's been really a beautiful journey so far. And, you know, every few years, it it grows and changes so much. And, you know, everywhere we go, there's people that I'm friends with that practice and lead in this way. And, you know, above all else, that makes me so proud to be able to have this connection live inside other people that also feels like them and has helped sustain and support them financially and in their life and emotionally sort of having everything be altogether. It's not just a moneymaker or an emotional thing or just spiritual, but not physical. It's sort of more holistic in that way. And, you know, that, that, that makes me really proud wherever we end up ship moving in the future.
0: You just brought up the word spiritual and it's something I've been thinking a lot about is there's some teachers who come out specifically and use that word, that label, you know, as spiritual teachers, but there's some people who just do what they do and through the authentic expression of what arises naturally within them they end up impacting people in the same way or even more deeply and i think you're one of those people you don't i've never heard you really use the word spiritual or like claim you're a guru or a spiritual teacher but by just being who you are naturally you you create this safe space for people to connect to a deeper part within themselves
1: what I think that's always been my experience of spirituality. And then, you know, for me, the moment that I hear that word or I hear somebody saying this is a spiritual experience, it's sort of, I know it's a bit some of a semantic thing, but it just makes me feel like, well, of course it is. Everything is spiritual. <laughs> you know, like I have an arm, you know? <laughs> so I guess I've always just thought of spirituality as being a good person, you know, being kind to yourself, being kind to other people, treating other people as an extension of you, you know, all the things that all of the great spiritual books say, but of course, get messed up in practice. So I always am suspicious of when somebody says this is really spiritual. I'm always (laughs) thinking what's going to happen that's bad.
0: (laughs) So funny. I love that. Okay. I have so many questions for you, but I should let you go. And my last question to you is, is there anything that I didn't ask you about that you feel called to share? Oh my gosh. Well, I
1: just, it's really easy to talk to you and that's, that's really nice, but I guess we could just kind of talk all day about connecting and feeling good. And I think specifically with your, with your listeners in mind, or what I think your, your listeners are always looking for is, you know, something you embody so well already. And it's, it, You know, you probably articulate this so much better than I do, but that idea of connecting to yourself and not worrying about going into the world and making it look a certain way. Because, you know, the moment you practice and whatever your form of your practice is, whether it's journaling or yoga or whatever the thing is that helps you connect deeply to yourself, when you come back to that and do that regularly, you will spill out like a glass of water just running everywhere along the floor with the, the blueprint of what you should be doing. So I think instead of looking for the blueprint in whether it's other people or, you know, business school or whatever it is, you know, looking for that blueprint inside. And then you can, even if you're looking at other people, which I think is a good idea as well to see what's going on, you don't want to just be completely blind to the world, but you'll have a much clearer lens to not get sucked into making decisions based of fear or insecurity or jealousy or competitiveness or all the things that we don't want to have, but, you know, are so easy, such easy traps to get sucked into. So I think it's really essential to come back to that practice that that grounds you, whatever it is, it doesn't need to be, you know, strala yoga, although we're here for you whenever you want. But I think that's so essential to to do that every single moment you can and have ways that that infuses Everything you do infuses your meetings, infuses your business plan, infuses everything. And, and then you can look at the world and do your comparative analysis and your spreadsheets and everything, and it's not going to suck you into the wrong direction, at least as, as easy. You have more of, a, more of an immunity built up to it.
0: The blueprint is inside of you. I love that so much. Thank you so much for everything you do. And for your daily yoga classes, they've been such a game changer. I noticed the same thing the days when I do it. I, there's just so much more spaciousness and ease in the way that I approach business and move through my life and how much more patient I am to my fiance. So thank mm-hmm. you for that and Aww. for myself. <laughs> Gosh, well, I'm so
1: glad you're happy and taking care of yourself and you're in a great relationship. And I'm just I'm so thrilled for you. You're awesome.
0: Thank you, Tara. Have a magical day and I'll see you in one of those Instagrams.
1: Yeah, see you soon, girl.
0: If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes and share it with a friend who you think could benefit from the message. Find all the show notes and all the resources on WokenWired.com. And also join the Woke and Wired Podcast Listener Facebook group. It's a private group where you can connect with people who are like-minded. And say hello on Instagram. Find me at woke and wired. Stay woke, stay wired, and take three deep breaths right now.